Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Build Your Brand, Not Somebody Else's. There's some sort of quote about to copy somebody is flattery, right? Like it's flattering, right? When somebody copies you or does what you're doing, um, people don't always take it that way. People sometimes feel like, Hey, why are you copying what I'm doing? Um, but I think there's a phase in learning or growing in a new way where you just don't have access to something beyond kind of trying to copy something that someone else is doing because it seems interesting to you or you're inspired by it. Um, and so copying happens and it's not a bad thing, but it's just not an authentic thing. So I would say that when that happens in life, whether, you know, whether it's when you're a kid and you are taking a certain kind of like music lesson or sport, and then a friend of yours wants to do the same exact thing, right? Or if you're an adult and you build a business or you build something, and then you find that other people are doing the same thing or trying to copy what you did. You know, I know those things can be frustrating for people, but really it is, it is a sign that you're doing something that people are inspired by and that they love. And and hopefully as we evolve, we don't need to copy other people's things. We can have that inspiration flow from us, right? And an inspiration that is authentic to who we really are. And I think we're living in a time right now where it's so critically important to make sure that we are building things that are authentic for us. And and I want to step back on the word authentic because it can be really hard to even know what's authentic for you in the beginning stages of kind of every transformation that you might go through in your life. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I think this is authentic for me. And then, you know, six months later, you're like, no, that wasn't even authentic. Like now this is authentic for me. So, so there is no point on the map because we're always evolving, but really asking ourselves, like, if we're going to put ourselves out there in the world and build something that it is as true for us as we know how to be in that moment. And when we talk about building a personal brand or a business or a mission, you want to build your brand, not somebody else's brand. So we talk all about that. And there are some ways to get very, very clear, which we're going to dive into in this episode about who am I really? Because I think sometimes we talk about our authentic self as if everyone just is connected to that. And I think that sometimes seeing ourselves can be one of the hardest things ever. <laughs> like we don't accurately see ourselves, um, And so we look to other people's reflection, like who do they think I am? And then, you know, we put a costume on and say, okay, well, if they think I'm like this, then I'm like this. So how do we really figure out who we are at our deepest core and our deepest authenticity? And my guest today, Julie, um, really helps people do this, helps people understand like first before they build a brand or, or when, if they come to her and they're in the middle of a brand and it doesn't feel authentic, like who am I really? 
And what am I called to bring to this earth? I always say that we should do some own internal mining before we kind of go out there in the world with something, because it's really, really valuable to understand who we really are, to be able to see ourselves in a more clear and authentic way, um, and then to be able to share that. So my guest, Julie, is here. She is a business and mindset coach on a mission to help ignite women to design lives they love rather than living by default. She is helping women wake up on Monday mornings, loving what they do and designing their lives by creating businesses or careers with intention, joy, and impact using her signature now goal formula. Julie teaches and coaches women how to start their dream business and is uniquely positioned to strategize for business growth, having spent 20 years in a Fortune 50 company as a sales and marketing vice president. So you can learn more about Julie's work. We're going to dive into some of it today, um, but she has an amazing podcast um, and it's called Ignite Her Mind Podcast um, that you can find on your favorite streaming platform. And she also will give you a lot of information on this podcast about how to really hone into who you are. I think, you know, this moment in time really is calling us forward to discover these things. And Julie is so amazing. We talk a lot about um, that discovery phase. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Julie Ciardi to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, Shauna, I am so excited to be here. This is going to be a really juicy conversation. I know, I know. We've already had like a full conversation before jumping on. So <laughs> we're ready to go. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this in so many different ways on the show. And I think that the process of moving into our kind of sole purpose, sole mission, or something that feels aligned has so many nuances. Like there's so many pieces to the puzzle. I mean, I wrote a book about my journey, but in that writing of that book, like there's nine books, right? On all of the details of like what that actually took for me. And, you know, I know you've had a similar journey of stepping into your mission and sharing beautifully how people can really like, put their boots on the ground with this soul mission. And I think that's so important because I know when I was in the early days of like looking into like, who am I really? How can I share what I'm feeling called to share? Cause I think what happens first is like, I feel called to share. And then you're like, but what, right? And how, <laughs> and, and where do I go next? I know there's a lot of confusion. And, and in the early days of like, you know, doing programs or meeting other people, there was just so much confusion on like, what is my niche? Like, what am I here to share? All of that kind of stuff. And people getting so lost in that process, right? And even giving up, just feeling like I cannot figure this out. I can't see the forest through the trees. And so I want to dive into like how you're helping people get clear on that. Um, but first I want to go back to like your journey, right? Our journeys always lead to what we are sharing. And so take me back, you know, 15 years, 18 years ago, like who were you then? And what was rising to the surface for you? 
Oh, it's so good. And I love sharing this story because I just know that there's so many people that are in the spot that I was in and it's, it's scary. It is scary. And probably now more than ever, you know, making these leaps and these jumps kind of really answering our soul's calling. It's, it can be very, very scary. And that's what held me back, to be honest. So, you know, I had a very um, traditional uh, path, you know, when I was, I'm turning 49 this year. So what, back when I was leaving college, entrepreneurship, Entrepreneurship, as we know it, did not exist. It just did not exist. You either opened a you know brick and mortar business, you know that maybe you were opening a hair salon or you were a boutique, or maybe you were going to you know um, open your own you know car shop or whatever. Those were the only entrepreneurs I knew. We didn't even use that word entrepreneur. It was like someone owned their own business. That's all we would say. Or you were going to go into a profession. You were going to leave college and go work for someone else or be a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, et cetera. And so that I, there was no examples back then. And so I, I went the, down the traditional path of going to college, getting the degree. I actually got my degree in business. I, I have my, my master's in business and I went to work for IBM and my, you know, overachieving, you know, driven self was going along the path of, okay, well, now I want to be a manager and then I want to be an executive and I want to go as high as I can in this company, but not aligned to anything that my soul was wanting. So for literally almost the 20 years that I was at IBM, and I did have a very successful career there, I did go that down that path, I became a vice president there, um, eventually at the age of 39, had my three kids while I was there, and did things as much as I could my way there. I was very different than and I took a different path when I was there that definitely came out. But from almost day one, of, join, of joining IBM, I was there for almost 20 years, I was looking for the way out. So I can remember the year one, I was pregnant with my daughter, my first child. And I, back then, the internet wasn't even, even 20 years ago, the internet was not what it is today. And I was on the phone with the um, head of franchising of a flower shop chain. Because I was, again, even the entrepreneurship wasn't, it didn't exist then as it exists now. And so I thought I would have to start a more brick and mortar type business to do my own thing. So this was 20 years ago, pregnant, on the phone, seeing how I could open my own business locally. So this was like pulling at me from the beginning. And I was on this exploration of trying to figure out what I was really meant to do. I would always kind of joke and say, well, when I actually grow up, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. But until then, I'm just going to keep rising the, the, you know, the levels in IBM and being more successful here. And it was funny, um, Entrepreneur Magazine, again, back then, their website was literally just, you know, an informational site. It wasn't what it is today. And I remember I went on there and I ordered information on becoming an entrepreneur. And this was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. I didn't, what I got in the mail, you're going to laugh. It was a five inch binder in the mail from Entrepreneur Magazine <laughs> on how to become an entrepreneur, right? What I say, and I try to tell people this all the time, we live in a time that is amazing for access to information immediately and without five inch binders. Although if you're like me, 
I have five inch binders all over here of things I end up printing out, but that's what I got in the mail. So when I tell you, Shana, I was on this path. My soul kept pulling at me continuously for all 20 years, knowing I was in the wrong place. I was meant to do something different and I was meant to do something on my own. That was a thread. And it's funny. I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about human design and gene keys later. I wish someone had introduced that to me then, because when I look at that now, I'm like, of course, that is my, my design It's it's very much to do something on my own, not working for someone else. And it was, it was hard. I, I kept saying someday, someday when maybe when the kids are older, maybe when, you know, um, you know, um, I learn more, I know more, I'll be able to leave. And it was really interesting because I think what happens, and this might really resonate with, with some of your listeners right now, is that when you're in that more traditional path, and, and not even, you could even be in an, a non-traditional path, once you hit making a certain amount of money, especially a salary, you get into what I call the the lifestyle income trap, where here we were, I was making incredible money with IBM. I was a vice president. I was making incredible money. My husband, um, at the time he was uh, a police officer, we've since retired him, but he was a police officer. We went down the path of, I was going to be the primary breadwinner, making the kind of money that we wanted to as a family. And so the house, you know, the vacations, the lifestyle that the five of us had was very much attached to my job. And I, as a mom, who loves her family, I felt very, very trapped that if I tried to leave that, I would be taking all of that away from them, or I might take all of that away from them because I don't know. It's so unknown. I'm not getting the paycheck every two weeks. It's going to take a little time, <laughs> a lot of time to build that business to where I wanted it to be and all of those things. And that's what really kept me stuck for a very long time was that fear of taking away the lifestyle that my family had become accustomed to so that mom could go and pursue her soul's calling, right? Like it felt very much this guilt and that's what kept me trapped. And I I, I will go on to, to share what, what we ended up doing to make some bold moves to get out of that trap, but I'll pause just to see if you wanted to go any deeper in any of that, but that's that guilt of taking that leap was was really what held me back, even though I knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's so, you know, the thing that comes up for me when you're saying this is like, there's always clues, right? There's always clues of like, you know, oh, I want to do this or, oh, looking for different things. Like there are people on the planet that don't do that, right? Like there are people on the planet that like get their corporate job or whatever they have and they're like, this is it for me. Like, I'm good, right? They don't think about like, could I start this little side business over here? Or or just even doing the legwork. I mean, how many people like just literally are like at night and especially with the rise of the internet and online education, right? Are just like doing courses and what they actually love and then going to work every day and going, how do I, how do I, tr you know, transform my life or like transfer to this new thing? And so I think it's just, you know, what I say to people is like, if you are doing that, right, if like, I remember in my, um, in one of my corporate jobs, you know, I was on like the fifth floor of this huge office building in Century City up in LA. 
and it had these big windows and I used to like, and I always felt like I didn't fit in there, right? Like I was always a rule breaker. I never liked the confines of like corporate. So I would do all these little things like to break rules, right? Like I would come in a little bit late or I would not do what I'm supposed to do. It was like my way of rebelling, right? Or I would wear something different that like nobody else in the office would wear um, because I just didn't like it. But I was always really successful and good. So like they couldn't really do anything about that, right? So it was a little game. I was like playing with myself. But in my desk drawer, I'd have like these spirituality books, right? <laughs> be like, And in between doing my tasks, because I was always really fast, I would turn around and there was like a little ledge to the window, you know, this huge windows that look over the city and I put my feet up on the ledge and I would read my spirituality books right because I was just like I will not be like pigeonholed into this um but you bring up such a good point which is like we get used to these lifestyles right and as you grow in your career like your lifestyle does evolve right and and then there are other people involved and I think one of the biggest things to think about is like sometimes we don't even know like the choices that we're making for other people, right? And like, and many times we're not even asking them, right? We're just saying, oh, I can't make this decision because it would affect these people and they're not gonna like it without even having the conversation. So I'm sure there were many conversations between you and your husband, like leading up to this, like how did those conversations start with you? You know what I mean? Saying like, I really need to make a change because you talked about like how you guys kind of worked into this, like share that. Oh, it's a good one. It's juicy. And I will tell you that just like you were saying that in your drawer, you had, you know, you know, your spiritual stuff, this dream was in a drawer. I didn't tell anybody. I mean, anybody there was, I remember there was like one person at IBM that I remember saying to him, like, someday I'm leaving here and I'm starting my own flower shop or I'm going to open my own business. Like, I know I'm doing that. I mean, I said that like, you know, so long ago. And I remember when I ended up leaving IBM five years ago, he messaged me. He said, you knew you, you called this like so long ago, but I, I didn't even really tell my husband. I didn't tell anyone. I kept it like kind of hidden. Like he knew a little bit, like when I got that five inch binder from entrepreneur magazine, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I I just know what I'm saying. I was like, I would say it every so often, but I didn't really open my full heart up to it. So I kept it in a drawer myself. And it was interesting and I will tell you, it's a book right behind me on my on my shelf here. I read a book that finally kicked me in the behind to start having those difficult conversations. And it goes exactly back to what you just said. Our fear that it's going to impact the people we love or even anticipating what they might think or feel without even telling them. Well, it's a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Brian Stop Ware. Stop it. Yes. Stop it. Stop it. I read this book. I talk about it on my show. It's one of my favorite books. You and I are like, I mean, I can't even believe you just said that. There book. you go. Well, I can't course. even believe you just said that book. Like, stop it. I sobbed my face off in like 2014 when my whole life changed, sitting on the patio of the, the rental house that we were in, like literally going, oh my God, there's no other. Like that book was like everything. Yeah, me too. Like, I can't even believe you said that. I can't even believe it because that book, like, I was like, I don't have a choice, right? Because like at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to regret my life. So whatever this crazy, crazy journey is going to be, and it was kind of crazy, I am doing this. 
I mean, I cannot believe that. I, 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 I have the chills so much because it was the same thing. Like that was my, that was my visceral reaction as well. I can remember my, my son who's nine, my youngest is nine. And he, I was, uh, I nursed that little cutie patootie for two and a half years. So every time I was nursing him, like I was like reading and it was either audiobooks or I was reading and I was on this pursuit. I knew I was like at that edge of, I know I have to like having him and going through that pregnancy and everything. Like I just turning 40, that's when I turned 40, I knew something had to give. And I started to open up to some different things that I was reading. Well, when this book came across my, my world and I read it, that was my reaction. I remember being in his nursery, nursing him in the rocking chair that I spent a lot of time in. And I was like, Oh my God. I, I have to leave. I have to. I am not going to regret life. I knew, obviously, we know life's short. We know all the cliches, but reading that and, and really seeing it, I was like, that's going to be me if I don't make a big change here. And that's that was the catalyst, it sounds like for you too, um, that really got me like actually going what I call having a someday goal to what I call having a now goal. Right. So it went from someday I'm going to leave IBM and do my own thing. Someday that I'm going to do this. That book, it went into the now where I was like, no, this is something I have to do. And I have to start actually working on it. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what where, where it's going to land me, but I know something's got to change. And I floundered with the what for a while. And so I knew that going to my husband and really talking to him about this, I had a little bit more concrete understanding of well, what was it? Well, what, what was I going to leave IBM and that salary for? What was I going to do? And I really started to spend a lot of time evaluating that and thinking that through again, really wish that I had knowledge of the gene keys and human design back then, because I really would have sat with someone to get a better handle on kind of my design and what, what might be the right fit, because I totally started the wrong business to start, but I started and it was, it was the next part of the path for me to go down. I actually went down that traditional path. I opened a brick and mortar boutique, by the way, that was like my very first business that I started while I was still at IBM. I had people running it, but I started it. It was something I wanted. I wanted to like create something. I quickly realized that wasn't going to be the thing to allow me to really be able to leave IBM and provide what I wanted to provide lifestyle wise with my family, but it was a start. But here's how the conversation went down. I can remember I came back from a business trip. I was working for IBM. I came back from a business trip and I said, honey, I really need to talk to you. And I sat him down and I'm very, I, I'm a very prepared person. Like, I'm just not going to like launch it up in the air and not really be able to also have some tangibles of like how we're going to do this. And so I'd already done some work. I had remember uh, an accountant said to me once, listen, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. And it really shifted my thinking that I originally I was thinking whatever I did, I had to match what I was making at IBM. And I started to really shift that, which was like, it was like a half a million. I was making at IBM, like that. I'm sorry, you're not going into a business, whatever business you're starting and quickly being able to get there. It takes time to build your business. And so I, I sat down and I said to my husband, listen, I want to leave IBM. I'm not going to have this regret when I'm older. I know that I want to start my own thing. I know I want to start my own business, but we're going to have to sell the house for me to do this. And he was like, wait, what? And yeah. I said, yeah. So we walked him through the whole thing. And I said, if we downsize, we're going to give ourselves, it's, you know, uh, uh, some more room for me to be able to make this transition. 
And luckily, you know, he was very much a, look, you were successful. You, you became a, a vice president at IBM. You did really well there. I trust that you'll be successful in whatever you do, right? Like, so remind me to go back and, you know, share 18 months after I left IBM and how it was really made things very challenging for us because he was like, so what, when are you going to be making the exact same amount of money from IBM? Right. Um, but initially he was like, yes, this makes, I, I want you to be happy. That sounds fine. Let's start at least looking. And we did. And we ended up selling our house. We, we Our three kids were very much on board because we stayed in the same school district. We downsized. And when we downsized, we cut our expenses by 60 percent. So back to it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. It allowed me to have some space to be able to leave, to transition, leave, and then be able to grow my business. And it was a bold move. It was not an easy move. At first, people were like, are you insane? Are you crazy? Because, you know, again, things have changed since, you know, the pandemic. But back then, everyone was still on that upward trajectory. You're always going for the bigger house, the bigger this, the bigger that. I think we've all learned major lessons on that, you know, in, in, in you know, now. But back then, people were like, are you crazy? You're leaving IBM? You're, you're going to sell your house? Like, what? In hindsight, you know, now people look and go, you are so smart. Like that was, you're doing what you love and you made these big, bold moves and people can see it now. But people thought I was literally crazy. Like I was going through a midlife crisis, gone crazy. And it was, it was hard decisions to make. But luckily at the time, my husband was very, very supportive because I really shared my heart and my soul. And again, also, you know, not wanting to have regrets and to give me some time in the worst case scenario. I go back and get another job. Like that was always kind of that that backdrop. So the, it was it wasn't easy. Now it was not easy than growing my business. The first eighteen months, you talked about it in the beginning, trying to find your niche, your message, like how to do the marketing and the sales. Because even if you know what you want to do and how you want to help people the how and the strategies and and really being able to stand out and land clients and grow the business. I mean, it took me a solid 18 months to start to, to be at a place where I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. I don't need to go back to a job working for someone else. And it was really challenging. It was one of the hardest 18 months period of my marriage, um, of my own inner work and journey that I needed to do to be able to get through that to the other side. Um, that's probably worth unpacking a little bit too. That was, that was, that was really hard. Yeah, I think there's a fallacy that we think that, you know, living our sole purpose is supposed to be easy, right? It's like, oh, if I just choose my sole purpose, like, Everything is just going to be easy peasy. It's all going to fall together like magic and miracles and manifestation. And I'm all about magic and miracles and manifestation, but it's not meant to be easy, right? Like your soul path is going to test you and show you like where you need to look, right? And the work that needs to be done. And in our culture, there's so much messaging and programming and, you know, history around money and stability and, you know, and how that relates to relationship and our choices in life and all of these things that like when you make a soul led choice, 
it's going to bring all of that up, right? And it's and for evaluation, like it's going to test your relationships. It's going to definitely, I mean, same for me, like people were like, you've lost your mind. Like you're crazy. I mean, my own family was like, you're, you guys, like, I don't even know what happened. Like they've fallen off the cliff. Right. And you have the pressure of like, you know, when you're married two families looking at you, like what in the actual world, like we didn't raise you this way. Like who goes into this? You know what I mean? Like, like what's wrong? Like our kids are gone, gone mad, you know? And, and you're literally like doubling down time and time again on nope. Like, I know, like, I know, I know. And then when it feels like it's not coming easily or you get challenged or it seems like, you know, many moments of like, maybe this isn't going to work. Like maybe I am crazy. Like maybe, you know what I mean? And then you go back to like, no, no, I like, I know I'm doing the right thing. Right. And it's in your back and forth in your head between maybe I'm nuts. No, this is right. Like, and, and really like cultivating all of the lessons that are going on that you can't really even describe to anybody else who hasn't been through it. Like it's lonely in the sense that like nobody probably in your core, you know, group of family and friends is doing the same thing at the same time. You know, although you will meet people as you start to reach out that are going through the same thing, but but for most people, it's like their next door neighbor is not going through this, right? Their their friends at PTA aren't going through this, like the other kids' moms, you know, whoever. Um, and so it's really an act of trust and faith, right? And listening to your intuition and and watching for the signs as you head down this road of what feels like uncertainty, which I call infinite possibility. So it's like, you know, at a certain point you realize that's what it actually is, right? But at the beginning, it feels like a lot of uncertainty. And so totally, especially with all the programming. Totally. So tell me at the 18th month, month mark, just give me a little snapshot of like, what's going on in your, in your marriage and like, you know, what, what are you thinking in those quiet moments during that time? Yeah, it was it was it was really, really hard. In fact, you know, the, the office that I'm sitting in right now, this was a screened in porch with the house we downsized to it. I didn't have the space for my own office. So when I was first starting my business in those first 18 months, I was like in a corner of my bedroom with like a divider behind me, like a faux brick divider behind me. And I was doing my, I was, I was doing it right. I was doing it. And so now this is a beautiful office that we built. But at the time, 18 months into my business, this was a screened in porch. I can still right behind me was where the, the couch was in a screened in porch. We had just gone out for dinner and drinks, uh, my husband and I, and had just, it went real south. He was his fear, right? And now it, what's so beautiful, right, is that the, the deeper work I do on me you know, understanding things like human gene, human design and gene keys, I get him better now. And I can see why he must have been so scared, so scared where I was like, okay, I, I had such belief. I didn't need for it to be happening tomorrow. Like I just, I was like, no, this is happening. However long it's going to take, I'm going to make it happen where he was in this fear. And that fear presented finally in anger because he kind of like keeps things in. So once we were sitting down and he just kind of let it all out and, and literally I was in tears. I, I, you know, we, I was crying. I came home. He left, he got in the car and left. He's like, I need time by myself. And I just sat on this couch behind me, bawling my eyes out. And of course, 
one of the things I did, and this is why I think it's so important, you just shared beautifully how there's no one around you usually in your circles that know what you're doing or how what it's like to build what you're building and all the things. So I was in a mastermind at the time because I'm a big fan of at least making sure you are around people. And I just reached out into the group and I just shared what happened. And because my husband was like, you got to get a job. You this we can, you cannot do this anymore. This is not working. You said you'd be further along. Like all the things like your own shadows are already telling you, like he was actually telling me <laughs> right to my face. Right. And I just went into this group and I just shared. And like, it was almost as if virtually the women in that group put their arms around my arms and lifted me up off of that couch crying, you know, and it was so powerful. And it's, it's what I needed to know that it was going to be okay. And they actually helped me to see that it was just his fear that was like really manifesting itself. And so from there, I mean, that was a low, low and it was, you know, you're going to need to get a job. And I was, you know, even contemplating, do I start updating my LinkedIn? You know, do I start, start, you know, exploring for, 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 for jobs. And I, at the same time though, I still had this core belief this was going to happen and I can make this be successful. But what I realized is that I, I had to actually bet on me and also stop sharing so much with him because I would be like, oh, I'm going to do a launch. I'm doing a launch next week and I'm launching this and it's, oh, it's going to be so successful. And then if it wasn't or it wasn't as much or whatever, it started to freak him out. So I found this balance, right? Sometimes our spouses or our partners are going to be people that we're going to share everything going on in our business or in what we're doing and creating, but sometimes maybe not. And I think for, for what happened for us and even now, all these years later, I I don't share everything that's going on in the business with him. It's not really that role or that relationship. And so, you know, it's, it, I had to learn that because it was only fueling his fear. And at that point, when just about things were really at the lowest low they could be, I actually invested in myself even deeper and ended up having that breakthrough. So I always say that there's no overnight success, but there are absolutely overnight breakthroughs. And I had one of those overnight breakthroughs pretty much like right around that 18 month mark and everything started to take off. Now, there's still the highs and lows that'll never go away in entrepreneurship. There's still things of learning lessons and all of that, but that was that pivotal moment. And it's also when you know, for my, my husband and I, we were able to get to that, that point of, okay, this is going to, we're going to be okay. And this is going to be okay. And the business is going to be able to provide, you know, for us, he ended up retiring, you know, about a, a year and a half after that, which was really cool. But it was, it was a really low, hard thing. And all I can say is, I went in deeper. Yeah, I went in deeper. I, I actually, Count, built more belief and faith in not just myself, but what I knew I wanted to create, what I knew I wanted my life to look like. And having three kids, you know, I, I did my thing, things my way at IBM too. Just like you said, you kind of were like the rebel mm -hmm. in corporate. So was I. I mean, I I did things my way uh, for certain and was successful even, even regardless of that. But 
I didn't, I still didn't miss anything of my kids. I went to every play. I went to everything of my children, you know, even when I was at IBM, because I said no, and I didn't care because my kids came first even then. But when it came to having my own business, being able to structure my days, my weeks, the way I wanted to, to, to be more with them, two of them are now in college. I've got my one that's home, but I have two in college right now. It went fast. And to know the last five years, right before they were going to college, I was able to not only be way more present with them, but also happier. I used to yell at them more when I was at IBM. I was more stressed. I wasn't happy. So my patience was thin. I would, I was, I, I would yell, you know, and after I started my own business, I, it's, I, I've never yelled. I think my little guy has never seen me yell. You know, it's like just not in my nature now because I'm I'm just happier. I'm more aligned. And it's given my older two kids an example of you can do things your way. And even though my daughter, like, she's like, I already know I want to go and I want to work for, um, uh, corporate, like a, a, she wants to be in beauty and she wants to work in corporate. She's hoping for Estee Lauder or something like that in New York City. She's like, that'll be like a couple of years. And then I want to start my own PR firm. Like she's already, my, my, my son, who's a freshman in college, he already knows, like he's studying business and entrepreneurship and he knows that he wants to have properties and he wants to do his own thing. And he doesn't want to, you know, to work in a cubicle ever, you know, that's not what he wants to do. And I just love that they got to see their mom who had, she not read that book, had she stayed in corporate, it would not have impacted them in the way of walking the walk myself, that they know that they can do that. And so for anyone listening who has younger kids, just know as they experience you following your soul, it enables them to follow theirs. It's it's actually such a beautiful, beautiful ripple effect. Yeah, it's so great. And there's a couple of really practical things that allow this to happen. I mean, I love how you talked about it's the money you keep, right? Because if you're willing to like, let's say you were having that inkling like 15 years ago, and let's say you just said, okay, it's not the right time yet, but I'm thinking about it and I'm seeing what's out there. Like if you're just putting a little bit of money away, right? Over like the five years, the 10 years, the 15 years, it's like, this is my fund that when I'm ready, right? Or when the stars align or when I get the courage, like I'm going to do this, that buys you time, right? Money buys you time and the ability to set something up that's stable. So I highly recommend, you know, having your own, like we talk about like saving for retirement and saving for, you know, kids school or whatever, but save for the dream, right? If you know, you've got one, like save for the dream, because you know, the, the hardest part that people get to is they, you know, either just totally leave before they even have explored what they want to do. Right. Cause like time starts ticking if you're not bringing in income. So like allow yourself to keep bringing in income and explore and save and plan, you know what I mean? For when you want to make that jump. That's one thing I highly recommend. And the other thing is like, we can't be fatalistic with like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to change. So as you and I, and both of our stories had an evolution of what entrepreneurship looked like, where I started out is not where I ended up. I don't think anybody does. Right. I think you start out, you make a step, you know, and sometimes we say we don't want to make a step because we're not sure it's the right one that we can commit to for the rest of our lives, but it's not about that. Right. On your sole purpose, it's like you make one step, 
And then you go, oh, there's new options, new opportunities, new choices, make another step. And it will lead you, right? If you're listening to your intuition and your gut, it'll lead you down the path. But probably, you know, at year five of your business, it'll look different than it did, you know, on the first thing you said yes to. And that's okay. And so I think people fall into this pitfall of, I made a choice. I have to commit to it no matter what. Even if my gut's saying, go right, go left. Even if people are saying, well, this isn't actually working or it could be built better. You know, people will double down again and again going, no, no, no. I said, I have to do it like this. I said, it has to be like this. And that's not allowing for flow to come in. That's not allowing for the universe to speak to you and through you, which needs to happen to allow yourself to evolve. So give yourself the freedom, right? To pivot as you need to, right? It doesn't mean it has to look the exact same as it did on day one, Like sometimes you went where you went on day one to get a certain amount of experience there, which led you to, you know, the next iteration and the next iteration. So those are the two things like, and you're saying this beautifully that I would tell anybody thinking about this, right? Is that if you have both of those, like you are really setting yourself up for giving yourself the time to be successful, right? And listening to that soul call, we are all evolving at a crazy rate right now, right? Like the world, I mean, even just in the past five years, the world has changed so much and that's going to continue. So we can't be affixed, right? This is all to get our talons out of all of these very affixed ways of being in the world so that we can learn to flow. We can learn to move with the energy. We can learn to pivot and evolve um, and not be like trying to lock it down, you know, like, oh, it has to be this way forever. So I love all that. I want to go into the role of like knowing ourselves in choosing, you know, what our sole purpose is. And maybe you can share how you found human design, and gene keys. And for anybody that hasn't heard of either one of these, um, these are ways just like an astrology chart, right? Where we can start to understand like, who am I at the beingness at the soul level and what I came here for? Like, what are the natural inclinations of my soul and how do I understand myself? And I think, you know, we don't have to, again, hold on to this so tight or be married to it, but it leaves clues. And if we look into these different ways to understand ourselves, especially at a time of transition, it can be extremely powerful. So, so how'd you find human design? How'd you find gene keys and how did this play a role like in your journey? Yeah, no, I love it. And it's it's interesting because when I first heard of human design, which was probably, I don't know, four years ago or something like that, I was like, uh, nope, that's weird. Not I, I literally was like, no, I wanted nothing to do with it. It was so interesting. Just like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I also believe when the student is ready, the tool will appear. And I really look at all of these things as tools, right? So human design, gene keys, Enneagram, they're, they're tools that you can use to understand yourself better, both from what you said on this, your potential and, you know, where your energy is going to be best served in. But also some of the things that can hold you back, the shadows that can hold you back, really kind of, you know, what we would call limiting beliefs and all of those things. Also, those tools can really help you understand that, right? What's blocking you from being able to move forward. I can remember I spent $15,000 for a VIP day with a coach to help unblock some of my limiting beliefs. Had I had gene keys, I could have done that. 
Like I didn't have that then. I didn't know it. That it's powerful. That's how powerful these tools can be. But they are tools, and I love that you said you hold them loosely because it's you're you're meant to build out who you really are with them rather than having them be like your authority, right? Like to tell you what to do. It's like they're tools to help you build yourself, I really believe. So for me, I didn't, I thought it was like, oh, that's a little too much for me. It it seemed very complicated, like very complicated. And so that's when the Gene Keys actually was the simplicity of the Gene Keys. And for anyone that's listening, they're the exact same thing. They're, the, they're based on the same thing. Um, Richard Rudd, who created the Jinkies, actually was, you know, a star student, if you will, of human design. It's all the same thing. It's just I like Jinkies as a very simplified version so that you can start to take action because more information is going to do nothing for us, right? Information is not transformation. We have to be able to take the information and then go do something with it. And so the Jinkies, at first, I like to use tools for myself and then I bring them into using with my clients. But I believe that these tools become, they come in your path exactly when you need them and when you need to be bringing them into your, your clients and your students. So for me, I had already been, you know, very successful in my business. I was, you know, success, at least on my terms, I, you know, had created this business. It was going swimmingly well. And all of a sudden I was down this path of trying to go down that elusive entrepreneurial, like unicorn path, which is, you know, you automate everything and funnels and, you know, this, this magical webinar that could just create all of these clients coming out the other side. Cause I had been live launching for my entire time, right? I would show up live and people were engaging with me and I would sell out my programs and it was amazing. And I was working with coaches that were like, we really need to automate some things. You really need to bring in these funnels and all of these things. And I'm like, okay, this sounds right. Let me tell you, I, worked really hard and put those kinds of strategies in place. And side note, all strategies work. It's the the being using the strategies that the strategies might not be the right thing for who you are, right? Your energy and who you are. So I had been wildly successful. Luckily, I was still doing the live launch stuff because as I was trying to build out all this automation, it just wasn't working. It wasn't, it looked beautiful, but it wasn't converting. It wasn't creating clients. And I just kept saying, what is going on here? Like, what is happening? I'm great at marketing. Marketing is my jam. Like, why isn't this working? And in come the gene keys. And what I was able to learn about myself is that I like to call them brand archetypes. My brand, you can, you can see your brand archetype in your gene key profile. I was not operating in alignment with my brand archetype. There's about 12, there's 12 of them. And once I understood this, it was like, oh my gosh, that's why live launch was working. And this is why this automated stuff is not. And it completely changed my marketing and sales strategies. It, com- it changed how I was showing up in my business, in my marketing, with my clients, all the things. So when that worked so well for me, as I was working with my like my dream clients, who I work with are women that were like kind of where I was, where I was leaving IBM 
and I was starting my business, their coaches, their consultants, where they're leaving, they're wanting to leave that day job. Most of them have not left yet, right? They're, they're in that process of leaving, but they're building this coaching and consulting business on the side. And many, 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 many times we're stuck. They're stuck in their niche, in their message, in what they're meant to share with the world, in how they should be sharing that with the world. And it was keeping them stuck from where they wanted to go. So bringing the gene keys into the mix, now I'm able to work with them by actually looking at their brand archetype, at working with them at using the tool. Because again, I'm I'm not there to be their you know their guru and their and their authority with it. It's more like, no, let's use this tool to create the brand, create the message, the niche, how you're meant to be, you know, seen in you know, by your dream clients and, and really making those tweaks. So the gene keys can 100% be used to go really deep in your spiritual transformation as well, right? But we use it to really help them go in, right? It's almost like a tool to listen to your soul. That's what I like to say, to go in, so that they're building their business in a way where it's going to resonate, where they then become magnetic, right? They're, they, when they step into who they're really, who they really are and how their message should be, how they should be, you know, being seen by their dream clients, magic begins to happen. So it's been this really powerful tool from a brand, building a personal brand, building your niche, your message, and even what, how you want to create your offers. It's been really, really powerful, but it's about knowing who you are. That's the key. And it really unlocks, I kind of like they're called the gene keys because it unlocks, right? The key unlocks who you actually are meant to, to be out in that public role, out on Facebook, out on Instagram, what you're meant to be saying and how, and it can be very, very different based on your profile. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's blending, which we have to do to have a business and that it's soul aligned. Like the aspect of we have to know ourselves. We have to, once you make that transformation from like, like your old, like kind of 3D life as you start to move into more of like this 5D frequency, like you have to be able to blend those worlds, right? You can, you can no longer just paint something on you that's not authentic. It just won't work. It won't work. And so you have to know yourself, right? It's almost like like allowing and inviting in that transformation, but then you have to be able to apply it, right? Into this 3D vessel that we're living in, right? And this 3D world, it's like bringing these worlds together. And so I love that you're doing that. Can you share where people can find out more about how to work with you, how to understand, you know, I know you have great resources on your website, like tell us where to go. Yeah, just go, you go to juliecierty.com. Everything is right there. I do offer a lot of free workshops and summits and different things because I'm a big fan of, again, based on my design, based on my brand archetype, I know people need to experience who I am, what I do for free first. That is, but not everyone has to. It depends on your brand archetype. For me, that's why that whole automation thing and wasn't going to work. People have to be in my world first. So if you go to the website, you'll see whatever is currently available that's free. So you can kind of get a sense of what we're teaching and how we're teaching it. And also, um, you know, how to work with me is there as well. And I have the podcast. It's called Brand with Julie Ciardi. And it's really about building that brand that is in alignment with who you really are. Because when you are a coach or a consultant, you are the product. 
And when you have to market and sell you, because we are in the 3D world that, you know, we're, we, we do need money is a thing. We do need to have it. It's just the culture and society we're living in the time we live in. It, it really marries both. It's like the timeless marketing and business principles, which I have a very strong background in with things like the gene keys and human design so that you're bringing that together. And that's what the podcast is all about. So you can check that out too. It's free, <clears throat> excuse me, it's free and it will be really valuable as well. So great. I love all the resources. Like if anybody in um, our little community here is in this journey, right? Journey of self-discovery, journey of figuring out, mm, I know there's a next step for me um, in the journey of I've taken the leap and I'm starting a new business. Like I cannot recommend this type of deep dive enough. Like this is the support, right? And the backbone of how we make this transition. And more and more people are going to be making this transition. I mean, this is the time where we're really being invited, if not pushed to, um, to step out and to evolve, you know? So like the energies are just calling us, calling us. So if you're dreaming about this, right. And in, in sitting at your desk, dreaming or at sleep at night, waking up going, Ooh, I got an idea. I've got a vision, like trust that, right? Like you would have it if it wasn't coming through and then getting the knowledge that you need and the support and doing the inner work brings that all together. So amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I could talk to you for hours. Like this has been so, so fun. And I just think, you know, it's cool what you're doing and it's cool that you made the jump and that you've brought these aspects that you've discovered together and made it really tangible for people. So I just love that. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your podcast. It's helping so many people as well. And I just side note, love that the same book is what propelled us into following our soul. So maybe y'all should pick that up too. Yeah, maybe that's a sign right there, literally. And what it's about is like a woman who was a hospice nurse and she spent, you know, the, all this quality time with people at the end of their lives. And she realized that there were like these top five things that people regretted, right? As they reviewed their life at the end of their life, they would share with her these regrets. And like, to me, it just gives me chills again. It's so powerful to realize that like we have the choice, right? When people are at the end of their life, they can't go back and they can't choose differently. And I said to myself, like, I will like literally be celebrating when it's the end of my life. Like, man, I did this. I did this. I like, there's nothing I left on the table. Like I am ready for the transition. I'm ready to be a spirit again. Like, you know, like I rode this like ride as much and as joyfully as I could. Like that was my commitment to myself through all of the tears is like, when my day comes, I'm going to be like, yep. I did what I wanted to do, right? And I made this happen and I took the journey of self, you know what I mean? And I shared whatever I could with other people and that inspires me every day. So if you're feeling like you need that inspiration, like that book, like just was a game changer for me and a support system for me really at the at that important time in my life. So I love that we love that book <laughs> so much and that we had that connection. So yeah, maybe it's a sign for, for you guys listening to pick up that book too. So thank you again, Julie. It's been amazing. And I am, thank you guys all for being here and for taking the journey into your soul and self. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. 
We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at The Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm -hmm.